to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. This week, our children's pastor, Michael Rivera, shares with us a message titled, We Can Handle It. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. The message that God gave me this morning is, is we can handle it. I don't, I don't know what, what you came here thinking this morning. I don't know what brought you here this morning. I don't know how your week was. But the Lord gave me a message two months ago and laid it on my heart for you this morning that we can handle it. As Stephen and I was talking this week, we were talking about the moves of God throughout time and we were talking about revival and the perspective of revival in today. And I believe that the church is doing a lot of great things in the earth. I really believe that. I believe that the church is, has paved a lot of ground for millions of people to claim their Lord and Savior is Jesus Christ. They've done a great job. But I believe the perspective of revival is a lot like saying that in my car right now, there's a cassette player playing a cassette. In a day and age when we have access to the internet and we have access to iTunes, and I believe that the church is looking for something of old when God is trying to do something of new in the earth today. And I believe this word that we can handle it, the key ingredient is we. You see, God doesn't take unity lightly. God's desire from the very beginning was that man would be united as one. When he said, what I have created and put together, let no man separate. That was the first union, the first church, the first marriage that is represented for us today as an example. And I believe that the enemy's number one goal is to divide us. I believe his number one desire is to keep us isolated. I believe that his greatest fear is that we would come together as a body and pray for each other. I believe that his greatest fear is that when someone's in need, that we would get in our car and we would meet them at their house and pray for them. God desires unity. So much that he declares it in his word. In Psalms 133, do we have, do we have the scripture? In Psalms 133, it's three verses. It says this. It says, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there, say, and there. And there, the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for who you are. And we thank you for the power to handle it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
I'm particularly excited about this message because it's, it's my life message. I grew up, I was born and raised in Austin, Texas. And yeah, Austin, yeah, Longhorns, get them. Pray for them. I need Jesus and a quarterback. Just kidding. Grew up about 10 years there uh, in my life, and my parents, uh, when I was uh, six and a half, got divorced. And that was really rough because my perspective as an only child at the time, uh, no, my brother was, 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 was alive then. My perspective of a family unit was ripped apart. Not only then, my mom uh, got remarried and unfortunately was in a very abusive relationship. And at this point, we have to leave New York or Texas to come all the way to New York, leaving behind my dad. My dad, dad, I love you. <laughs> Thank you for being here. For 10 years, I lived 1,500 miles away from my dad. For 10 years, I needed someone to teach me how to be a man. I needed someone to teach me how to do the things that I need to do so I can be a good husband, a good father. And for 1,500 miles of separation, it was the most brutal thing and hardest thing a young man should ever have to go through. And I know in this room today, there are men and young women who know what I'm talking about, who have dealt with that pain. And I want to assure you that God has a way of working all things together for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus. There is power when there's a separation. God knows how to bring restoration. I remember growing up and... I never did drugs, never got into the gang life, but I had, I had a problem. By the age of seven years old, I was, I was exposed to some pornography, and it became a big issue in my life. And I believed the lie that getting married, that it would solve everything, and it didn't. I believed the lie that if I told my wife about my issue, that she would leave me. And for many, many years, I, I lived with that weight in my life. The reason why I'm so passionate about this message is because when I came on staff here, I had already confessed my issue years before, but I didn't have the strength to tell my wife what I was struggling with. And as I began to be a part of this community, God began to deal with my heart and show me that he wanted, to, he wanted to go there. He wanted to disturb my peace. And he did. For about a year, year and a half of, of oversight with Tim, God would just speak to me through Tim and Tim has a way, if you've ever met with him, he has a way of just sitting there and listening. And it all just comes out. 
And it all just started coming out. And God started doing a work in my heart. And eventually God allowed me the opportunity to share with my wife my struggle. And that was the hardest thing to ever do. But in that midst, God met me. I prayed a simple prayer like this. I said, Lord, your word says that if I call on your name, that I'll be saved. The moment this happened, I said, Lord, if there's ever a time I need saving, it's right now. I just celebrated my 17th wedding anniversary with my wife. God answered my prayer. I go home to my wife, Cheryl, of 17 years, and to my four kids, Michael, Hannah, Michaela, and Ruth. They're amazing. And God is restoring me little by little. So when I share this message with you today, that's the heart. That's the background. We can handle it. Are you ready for this? Point number one. Unity's biggest enemy is belief systems. Unity's enemy is belief systems. There's a story about the bumblebee. The bumblebee is not aerodynamically designed to fly. It is not aerodynamically designed to fly. The reason why it can fly is because it doesn't know that it can't. In the beginning, when God created man, in Genesis chapter 2, do we have that scripture? In Genesis chapter 2, I believe it's verse 24. I'll just say it out of my heart. Here we go. It says, so the Lord caused the man to fall asleep. While the man slept, the Lord took one of the man's ribs and closed out the opening. The Lord then made a woman from the rib. Amen. When a man finds a woman, he finds a good thing. And he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woe man. Woe man. Because she was taken from the man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Here's the last one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. The reason why I bring this scripture up is because when God created Adam and Eve, they were naked, but they had no shame. They didn't know that they were naked. But as we go into chapter three, something happens. Eve gets tempted and separated from her husband. She gets isolated from her husband. And the enemy tricks her into eating the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
And when she eats it, she presents it to her husband, and her husband takes a bite of it as well. And all of a sudden, they realize that they were naked. For the very first time, man felt shame. I don't know who you are this morning, but if you felt shame, feel shame right now, God's got some plans for you. He, he's, he wants that to end today. He wants to take your shame like he took it for me. He wants to release you from that shame. Yeah, I'm talking to you. He wants to release you from that shame. And I'll tell you how. When God enters the garden after they fell, Adam and Eve hide. And God says, where are you? And God sees them and they run up to him and say, Lord, we are so sorry. When we heard that you were coming, we felt, we saw that we were naked and we felt ashamed. And God poses the question. He says, who told you that you were naked? I'm here to tell you this morning. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you weren't good enough? Who told you that you weren't able to have a baby? Who told you that you weren't able to release that shame? Who told you that you weren't a man? Who told you that you weren't a woman? Who told you that you weren't beautiful? I'm here to tell you, young ladies, I have three daughters. And I tell my daughters every morning, hey, beautiful. Because the day a man tells them that they're not beautiful, they know to go the other way. And I'm here to declare that you're beautiful, each and every one of you. The way God sees you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he's declaring, he told me to tell you this, he's declaring that there is a man out there for you. You just haven't found him yet. He's looking for you. He thinks you're beautiful just as you are. He sees no imperfections in you. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you? that you were no good? Who told you to close that business? Who told you to stop loving your wife? Who told you to stop loving your husband in the midst of a trial or tribulation? Who told you to stop coming to church? Oh, you, oh, you know, I can watch it online and watch it, watch it on TV and TBN. Praise the Lord, Joel Osteen. And you know what? Even Joel Osteen's got to go to church once in a while. I know his sister, I can say that, so. Who told you that you were naked? You see, I believe that it's a belief system picked up when we either when we were really young, maybe in church, maybe we picked up a hurt, a pain, maybe somebody said something about us, or maybe we said something about somebody else and we thought that was okay, so we keep talking about other people. God is not a liar. You will reap what you sow. But that's all caused by belief systems. And God is saying to you this morning, be like my creation will be. You say, well, how do I do that? You got to believe in Christ. You see, the Bible says that if you believe in Christ, you are new creation. New creation 
new creation. All things are passed away. Creation. All things are passed away. New creation. You can become a new creation if you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And lo and behold, these are the words of Jesus. I make all things new. His words, not mine. I'm not taking them out of context. The day I, I shared with Cheryl what I was struggling with, that weight snapped like a baseball bat. I didn't feel that weight anymore. I felt like a new man. And I believe that, that she feels like a new woman because I'm treating her like a lady. And I get to love on her. And she's like, oh, this is weird. I was like, I know it's weird, but let's, let's keep doing this. <laughs> I'm loving it. He makes all things new. But there's a belief system that you got to release today. And I'm here to tell you that we can handle that as we come into prayer. We can handle that. Amen. Yeah, I like that. I sound like Michael Exum. I'm like, yeah, can't get enough of your love, baby. I'm feeling this. Sorry, Mike. I just. Mike thinks he's a redheaded stepchild. He has no hair, so he can't even claim that. But I love, I love my spiritual dad. Let's give Michael Exum a round of applause. We can handle it. God gave my wife the strength to handle it. She, we can handle it. When we come up for prayer, that should be the most important time of the service. I know the word's important. I know worship's important. But your soul's more important to God. So I want to encourage you that if God is saying something to you today, feel free to come to the altar when it's time. Next thing, the Lord shared with me that boundaries are for longevity, not for division. I'm going to let that marinate for a minute. Boundaries are for longevity not for division. Genesis 3.22, it says, Then the Lord said, God, look. The human, we got it? We lost it? Okay, here we go. Then the Lord God said, look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out to take from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed a mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to, the, to guard the way of the tree of life. As I think about... Boundaries are for longevity. I think about working out. Um, I'm a 300-pound man, just in case you didn't notice. And we'll pray for your vision, by the way. Um, I started working out here recently, and um, somebody was telling me about diets. And uh, I said, yeah, I'm on a diet. 
And they said, oh, oh, yeah, what diet are you on? And she said, we're like naming Medi something. I'm like, I'm on the Medi in and out diet. They're like, what's that? I was like, well, I eat Mediterranean, and I go to in and out <laughs> And they're like, oh, and you like that? I was like, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. And I was like, they were like, well, I don't think that works. I was like, well, have it your way. <laughs> and they were like, thanks. I said, my pleasure. <laughs> if you didn't get any of that, as, as my spiritual dad, Tim Ross, would say, you do not live on planet Earth. Just kidding. I have been working out, though. Um, 24-hour fitness uh, is amazing. It's open 24 hours, really. It really is. And uh, I started going to, to, to swim. And I got to tell you something. I have a new love and respect for fish. I really do. No, I really do. I spent an hour in the pool, and I was swimming. And after the first lap, I was ready to go home. I mean, literally, okay? And I thought to myself, I said, you know, I said, I respect whales. If you ever want to insult me, don't call me a whale. No, seriously. Call a whale a human, okay? Because you've never seen a whale get out of the water and say, man, that was a workout. I'm tired. You've never seen that. I have a respect for fish. One thing uh, I, I, uh, I learned at the pool is they're a little confused in stationing their signage. They have a sign that says, no diving, and then I noticed inside the pool, they got a little picture with a circle and a line through it. And it says, it says, shallow water. And I thought to myself, I said, man, that was not smart. Could you imagine a guy goes to get his eyes checked the day before? And he just found out he got 20-20 vision. And he's getting ready to go in the pool. And he's like, oh, man, I'm ready to do this. And he's like, I've got good depth perception. I can see the water. And he sees a sign that says, no diving. And he's like, you know what? It's okay. I can handle this. I just got my eyes checked. He goes and dives in the water and knocks his head in the wall. And then he gets up and looks and sees shallow water. You see, I think that's that's kind of like an oxymoron. I think they should put shallow water on the wall and no diving. Y'all didn't get it. It's okay. That's just stuff I think about. It's just random. It's all right. As I was praying about what God was saying about no boundaries, boundaries are for longevity. And I think about the Sabbath. When I think about the Sabbath, I think about how God desires us to take time off so that we can rest. And I believe that that's designed and there for us to be able to live a long life and enjoy the fruit of our labor. For many years, I've worked about 70, 80 hours a week traveling. I left my wife to take care of the house and to take care of the kids, and she homeschools our kids, does a great job, uh, all four of them, by the way. I thank God I have a job because I, I couldn't homeschool them, but she does an amazing job. But I didn't have a boundary set. And I would wonder why when, when, when I when I would struggle with different things, with fear and worry and doubt and shame, 
I would wonder why this just keeps going on and on. And one day I sat under Robert at Gateway and I was listening to him and his passion for taking the Sabbath. And I believe with all my heart that God gave us the Sabbath, not just for the Old Testament, not for just the days of old, but I believe that we are setting us up for failure when we don't invest in ourselves to have fun, to spend time with our family, and to rest. Because boundaries are for longevity. The movie Fences comes to mind when I think of boundaries. It's a good movie, by the way. But at the very beginning, right before I fell asleep, I heard this, that many people build fences to keep people in, and other people build fences to keep people out. And when I think about that, I think about so many times that I put myself in situations where people have never been the focus of my life. And what I believe is that that was how I viewed myself. In my walk with God, I didn't take my walk seriously. And so I, if I didn't value this, how can I dare value this? If you don't value a walk with God and a daily communion with God, you will never truly value relationships with people. And as I got on staff here, the Lord began to show me that what's important to him is my relationship with people, because it will be a reflection of my relationship with him. So God wants to encourage you to remove those boundaries. We need each other. We need each other more than we know. I need our team. I need our children's team. Shout out to our children's team today. Yeah. If you're, in, if you're on the children's team, will you stand up? Let's give them a round of applause. Stand up. Stand up, Mama T. Come on. If you are on our children's team. Yeah. Bree, I see you, Bree. I see you, Phoebe. I see you, Luke and, and Makisha. Mama T, I see you. We have an amazing team, about 31 team members, do an amazing job week in and week out. And they put up with me. That's hard. That's really hard. Next thing, faith, unity breeds faith in times of despair. In the book of Acts chapter 16, Paul was about to go on a journey. And Barnabas and Paul have a discussion about bringing someone along with him who was Mark. And Paul says, nope, I'm not bringing Mark. Because one of the journeys previously, Paul needed Mark, and Mark bailed on him. So Paul said he's not coming. So he elects Silas to come with him. And they get on this ship, and they go on this journey to Philippi. And as they're on their way on this journey, God is showing him a vision to go to this place because they need ministry. Paul's original intent wasn't to go there. And as they went there, God was setting up an encounter for Paul, but it, it wasn't going to come 
the way we would think it would come. You see, Paul met up with Lydia and some of the ladies of the church, and they began to pray and, and minister to them. But as Paul went out into the streets, Paul and Silas, and they began to minister, they met up with a lady who had a spirit of witchcraft. And the Bible says that she began to torture them and talk to them and, and annoy them for three days. Three days. Look, let me tell you something. That's a long time for somebody you don't know to be annoying you and drive you crazy. Let me tell you something. I would have just I would have said, honey, just take care of it. Just take just take care of it. But Paul was very gracious and loving. But on the third day, he rebuked that spirit out of her. And the Bible says that the people who profited from her readings and for, from the work that she did were raged. And they went, they called on the, the government and brought Paul and Silas before the elders of the city. And they began to beat Paul and Silas. One version of the Bible says that they were beaten until they were blue. What I think is hilarious about this is that many times in church, you and I are both guilty of this. We read this scripture in Acts 16.25, and it talks about how, how they were in the prison, and they were praising and worshiping God. And then all of a sudden, the earthquake came and released them from jail. I think we're missing the point. They were beaten to a pulp and thrown into jail. What I think is amazing about this, can you, can you just imagine with me for a minute? Is that okay? Paul and Silas were shackled. Where's Johnny? Where's Johnny? Where's Johnny? Is Johnny here? Where's Johnny? Johnny, come here. Come quickly. This is a newlywed right here. Let's give Johnny a round of applause. Can you help me out for a second? All right, have a seat. Johnny's the, the singer, by the way, and I'm not, so I'm not claiming my fame. But the Bible says that Paul and Silas were in jail, shackled up. So act like you're shackled up. I know they can't see you anyways, but it's all right. So they were shackled up together. Just, let's just pretend we're together. All right. And as they were there, you need me to call Katie? I'm just kidding. Okay. Paul and Silas were shackled up. And as they were, as they were there, Beaten to a pulp. Remember, they were almost blue. That means they were almost dead. Somebody heard something like this. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power, our God, our God. I believe that was Silas that was singing that. 
The reason I believe that is because Paul wasn't the best communicator. He was a great writer, but I don't think he harmonized very much. So Paul and Silas began singing, and Silas started again. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. I believe Paul woke up out of his sleep. And I believe Paul started... God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power. Our God. Our God. Come on, Johnny. Do You do better than I do. Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, oh our God. That's what the people in the prison heard. They heard two broken men in the midst of their brokenness in the midst of their pain, worshiping a God who could do it again. And it was at that midnight hour when the Spirit of God took over that place and an earthquake came and shook the foundations of the jail. And the Bible says that Paul and Silas were released and every single person was released because two men who were broken started to worship and praise God in the midst of their struggle. Church, I'm here to tell you we can handle it. We can worship you through your problem. Yeah. We can worship to God for your problem. We can handle it. God is not, God is not the author of confusion. He doesn't make mistakes. He can do it again. But the key to all of this is unity. The key to bringing this all together is being one unit. I believe that what God is doing here at Embassy City Church, bringing multiculturals together and people, millennials, and, and I forgot what Tim calls the octogenerals. Octo, what is it? X and, X and Y. Oh, yeah, X and Y. And, and the older generation together, how God is doing, that's a beautiful thing. It's very unique what God is doing here today. I believe that what God is doing in our children's ministry is amazing. We had a moment, ladies and gentlemen, where we were worshiping God in his presence for 45 minutes. And that was not part of the routine, I promise you, because I have to stick to an order of service. If not, my team will drive me crazy. 45 minutes in God's presence. That just so happened to be the week that I got a report from the doctor that my liver was bad. I'm like, man, I never drunk like an alcoholic a day in my life. I've never done drugs. 
I don't smoke. I've made a lot of mistakes, but I'm like, how is this? I said, is this some supplements that I'm taking? I'm like, what am I doing taking supplements? I'm thinking all this. And God met us that day. The kids were worshiping God, saying, I surrender. I surrender. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. These little guys and these little girls were not trained for that. They did not see Jamar before service and learn how to worship like that. But their king entered into that room that day, and he commanded us to worship him in his presence. That is the power of the church. And if God has to use a child or a group of children to get a fire started up in here, he will do it. He will do it. I remember years ago when we were at High Point, the Lord spoke to me. He said, he said, he said if, the, if the parents don't want to volunteer for children's ministry, that's fine. I was like, whoa, whoa, you crazy. That's, that, that doesn't work that way. I need people, Lord. And the Lord said, yeah, I'll just raise up the kids. My, my nine-year-old son does the pro presenter for our children's ministry. My 13-year-old watches your babies. If people don't want to go in there and serve, God says, I'll raise them up. I'll raise up a generation of Jeremiah's. I'll raise up a generation of David's. I'll raise up a generation that will worship me in spirit and truth. God, God, doesn't, God doesn't have to worry about it. He knows what he's doing. And so I'm here to tell you that we can handle it. The last point that I want to make is this. We, it's time to activate. It's time to activate. I know this is long. I'm sorry. I'm all sweaty and. I'm just a children's pastor, but I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, just a, I'm just a I'm just a vessel. I will say that in First Peter five, verse five, Lord was showing me this when I was thinking about how do we activate the people? How do we activate them to become united? The Lord brought this scripture to mind. First Peter 5, 5. Are we good back there? It's all right. All right, here we go. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And at that right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. 
Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering. I want to focus on humbling yourself and casting your cares on the Lord. Humble yourself, cast your cares. So many people look at that scripture and they see two different scriptures. And many times we come to the Lord and we're like, Lord, I just need to cast this on you. I need to cast my shame on you. I need to cast, Lord, my struggles on you. I need to cast my, the pain in my marriage, the pain in my family. I just cast it onto you. And you're, you're casting and casting and casting a lot like Peter did. A lot like Peter did when he was casting and caught nothing. And then Jesus says, hey, cast your net on the right side. And the Bible says that when he obeyed and cast on the right side, there was so much fish in the net that they could not contain. They had to call in all the homies from all the other ships and say, hey, we need to do this together because we can't do this alone. And I'm here to tell you that you can't have one without the other. You can't cast your cares on the Lord and not humble yourself in his presence. God wants you to humble yourself in his presence. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive, what kind of house you live in, how much money you got in the bank. It does not matter what you're dressed in, what you're wearing today. What matters is your heart submitted and humbled before the Lord. You got to have both. Too many people trying to do it alone. It don't work that way. You see, in the center of pride is I. In the center of your anxiety is I. And God is saying, I don't want the I. I don't want the I in your pride. I want you to humble yourself. And I want you to honor my name. And then I will lift you up. You see, you see we're trying to do this on our own, ladies and gentlemen. It don't work that way. I'm going to give you a wake-up call this morning. It didn't work that way. We started the, the church two years ago. Stephen said it. Every morning, 5.30 in the morning, me, Cheryl, and the kids, some Ebony, Richard, we had a team of people that would show up at 6 o'clock in the morning at that dock. Franklin, with, with the sound Jennifer Cook, Kevin, her husband, eventually came on. We had all these people at 6 o'clock in the morning setting everything up so that we could be ready to roll at 9 o'clock, have two services, and then tear everything down to be out of there by 2 o'clock. And then we would go to the storage, and we would take everything off the truck. We had 12 pallets of children's ministry supplies, ladies and gentlemen. We would put everything in there, and by the time we got home, it was 5 or 5.30, okay? It took work. It took us coming together. It wasn't about our pride. It wasn't about us, 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 us thinking, oh, man, if I could only uh, have it my way, if I could only do it the way I want to do it. It wasn't about that. It was about us coming together as one body. And you know what? I celebrate the fact that we're in this building, but I will not ever forget the struggles and the suffering and the pain that it took to build this church in that high school. Because we can handle it. And if we had to do it all over again, we would. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. 
And no weapon formed against us shall prosper. You see, it's not no weapon formed against you. It's no weapon formed against us. We are the body of Christ. And we need each other. Will you stand to your feet? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on social media at Embassy Irving.